0: is making sure the regulator has set up uh, the right safeguards. And that includes a money transfer system that has very low fees that lets, and insisting that every bank that's licensed connect up and have these reasonable fees. It's kind of like phone number portability is in the mobile space, that you can switch a carrier and not have to change that phone number. And so that's uh, why the foundation's role in working with these regulators and taking lessons from different countries uh, will help get this into the, the most pro-poor form we can.
1: So let me ask you, because there's another answer to this question. So you're talking about relying on regulatory infrastructure and banks participating. But there are many, many investors and smart people out there who will tell you that the answer to these questions is Bitcoin.
0: So what do you think about Bitcoin as a solution to these problems? Well, the, the effort to make sure your Bitcoin provider isn't going to lose your money and your understanding of the volatility of Bitcoin. I'd hardly uh, say that's ready for you know poor people to you know have it go up and down by a factor of two and you know oops I was at Mount Cox now that's not good now I'm at you know bit whatever <laughs> uh, so that basic technology shows that digital can do these things very cheaply and the fees that have been built up over time. Uh, won't stand up, even for, for small transactions. Now, making sure that the thing is fraud-resistant and money can be refunded, there's somebody to call up if you think you transferred to the wrong account or your, your counterbalance is not what you expect. And so I'm not thinking that the poor should get out there on the, you know, the cutting edge. Uh, also, governments, for most transactions, will want attribution. That is, the idea of a, a system where you can't see uh, Is that drug money? Is it terrorist money? Uh, Should that be taxed? You're going to have some tension between the attributed systems, like credit card, debit card systems, where there's actually a record of who's engaging, and the purely anonymous ones. But the one I see us getting to critical mass, along with the government regulatory support we need, is one where it's attributed, where we can see who actually did this transaction. Gates also thinks education will dramatically
1: improve in developing countries as online learning tools make it easier for students and teachers to connect around the
0: world. Well, the availability of the world's best teacher who can see where you're confused, set the right pace for you, uh, where all your engagement with that material, uh, your teacher or your parent or your friend can connect up and see where you're stuck and give you some advice, uh, we're not there yet. Uh, we've met, 15 years ago, we were just sticking cameras in front of people and putting it online and saying, okay, isn't that the solution? Now, people like Khan Academy and hundreds of others have said, okay, the lecture piece is part of it, but interactive problem sets and having your coach see what it is and uh, understanding the nature of what you might be confused about and explaining to you why you should gather this knowledge. Uh, and so the view is that over the next 15 years, that type of material will be wildly better than even the best is today and it will be available through phones and tablets it won't replace face-to-face you know the social context, the the relationship with that teacher but it'll it'll be playing a gigantic role in letting you catch up move ahead uh, and overcome whatever limitations your class size has. So you might be the
1: most famous motivated learner of all time. Um, and one thing that you had that when you talk about this vision that these kids might not have is you were surrounded by open systems by which you could tinker and play. So I think about critical skills 15 years in the future, and I think programming is one of those skills, and building and hacking is one of those skills. And if you're doing it on a phone, even one of Microsoft's phones or Apple's phones, or you're doing it on tablet, to some extent, one of Microsoft's tablets, one of Apple's tablets. These systems are closed they don't let you tinker and get in there. How do you see, like where do you see that next generation of hackers coming from the developed
0: world if they can't have access to sort of the inside? Well, I'm sure that uh, it, it doesn't exist as well as it should today, but there should be sandboxes even inside, you know, take the extreme case iOS, uh, where you can kind of have arbitrary code. So. You know we should be able to let people play around. I'd have to say that the the priority of getting people coding and exposing to code that's something. You know I'm a backer of Code.org. Uh, you know I think they're doing a good job. You know a day of coding, Girls of Code, lots of good movement there. Because we're not dealing with the basics of reading and writing in these poor countries, I think uh, you know for the next fifteen years. Uh, most of the energy is going to go into the basics. So I'm, I'm enthused about people primary, and I think we can enable it. But our agenda is really at the, the the more basic level.
1: So I think this is really important. It's something you bring up in your letter. You talk a lot about the systemic inequality in education, particularly in the developed world, uh, particularly for girls. You ha- I, I haven't seen a lot about how you intend to address it. You just acknowledge that it's a problem, and if you add the tools, women with the means and motivation to use them will use them. But how do you really attack the systemic inequality? There?
0: Well, if you look at um, primary school enrollment, secondary school enrollment 15 years ago versus today, uh, countries are making a lot of progress on this. The idea that parents you know, should not keep the girl in the house, uh, should let her go out to primary school, that's broadly accepted. Now we need to get there for secondary school. In you know, the United States, now business school, medical school, you know, male-female ratios are actually, uh, in some cases, uh, favoring the women, it's still the sciences, particularly the very hard sciences, and particularly if you get up to the Ph.D. level, where we still have this huge gender imbalance. It's it's a very cultural thing. Each country may have slightly different tactics of how they get the parents' mindset about the investment in both boys and girls who are you know, equally valuable, equally important.